And welcome to the Miami Sports Pod post-draft edition. Will Manso, Clay Ferrero here. Uh, after months of discussion, the draft is finally done. And by all accounts, Clay, the Miami Dolphins had a very good draft. Look, there isn't a general manager in the world that has ever existed that left a draft and said, you know, our draft sucked. That was a bad draft. Uh, and had a news conference where they said we didn't get anyone we wanted. So it, obviously the Dolphins feel they did well. But the interesting thing is universally how much others think the Dolphins did well. And we can certainly differentiate between the fan base, the media, the so-called analysts and scouts and insiders. But before we get into each pick, your overall assessment as far as how they attacked this draft, what they came out with at specific positions is what? Well, you know, I I think it was pretty clear they had a plan and they executed it very well. And, And I think that's really all you can ask for if you're a fan is have a vision, go into this and and be decisive. And, you know, what's funny was as the first round played out, and I know we're talking broad scope here, but I think this really kind of crystallizes what they're, how they came into this thing with the plan, you know, Jamar Chase and and Kyle Pitts are off the board when they're at six. And I was at the draft party and, you know, there was some disappointment out there and you can understand that. And even initially I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, they traded back from three to six and, and lost out on a chance to get Pitts and Chase. And then the more you think about it, you're like, wait a minute. I, I mean, when they made these this trade or the two trades in order for us to go back to 12 and come back up to six, they did this knowing that there was a decent chance that both of those players would be gone. And so when they stand up there, when Chris Greer stands up there and says, no, Jalen Waddle was our guy. And Brian Flores stands up there and says, no, we're really happy that we got Jalen Waddle. They're not lying because yeah. their actions backed up what they were saying long before they made the pick. So, you know, to me, I, I would have liked to have seen Javante Williams fall to them. I think it's very clear that, you know, that was at least what the rest of the league expected them to do, which they is got why screwed. Denver they got screwed. There's always one moment sure. you get past. They got screwed at 35. They wanted to and take Devonta Williams at 36. It's just, yeah, it, it, it happened. Yeah, it happened. It happens a lot. It's fine. That, 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 hey, the Dolphins did that to the Saints with Chris Chambers years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the type of thing you have. But, well, overall, I, I like what they did. And, and I think, and I'll say this off the top, I don't care what draft analysts say. I don't. Because – you know, if they love the picks, they hate the picks, they have no clue what's going on in the draft rooms. They have no mm-hmm. clue what's going on within those walls, what the visions are for these players. So to me, I look at it as, did they have a plan? Can you see where they're going with these players? And, and can you see the vision that they may have for each individual player? And, and the answer to mm-hmm. all of those questions is yes. Well, I mean, we start right in the first round. Let's go there. And we spent weeks uh, discussing that they were going to get a playmaker. So this isn't in any way of saying, hey, let's toot our own horns, because we, like everyone else, expected the Dolphins to take a playmaker at six. It was highly unlikely they were going defensive. I mean, there was just no chance they were going defensively there. I mean, there were no real outside of the corners that ended up going, what, at at seven and eight, whatever it was in the draft. And then Micah Parsons ended up going at 10. You know, you knew there wouldn't be a defensive player there for Miami in that sixth spot. So that was scratched off. Offensive line, there was the talk about Panay Sewell, whether they'd go there. I think you and I both said, look, if they decide to go there, it's not the worst thing. But they are focused on the four playmakers. You mentioned two of them, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell. And quite frankly, I think you and I had them lined up in that way, in that order going into the draft. In the end, they take Jalen Waddell over Devontae Smith. Chris Greer basically said, look, 
we've, we love both guys. We had nothing bad to say about Devontae Smith. We think he's going to be an excellent player in the NFL, but we just valued the explosiveness and playmaking abilities of Jason, of J- uh, Jalen Waddle, excuse me, <laughs> and his ability as a returner as well. And when you hear that explanation and you see what Waddle did in college production-wise, I don't think you could really argue it. So my take on the first pick, while I would have before the draft, I did and I still would have, taken Devontae Smith in that spot, I totally see the vision of the Dolphins. A, Waddle is more explosive. I think we can both agree. I think most can agree on that. Smith is probably a little more consistent and proven. But Waddle has the the ankle injury that he had, a broken ankle. I don't think that's a big deal. It wasn't a ligament. It wasn't a tendon. It was a broken ankle. It happened. It was freak. He's healed. That's not an issue long term. I think when I look at the measurables and what Chris Greer and Brian Flores obviously value, they tend to get more into the metrics and the numbers of the prototypical type player. And when you look at uh, Jalen Waddle, his speed you cannot teach. His speed is elite. So while I sold up, you know, Jamar Chase, who ended up not being there, we talked about Kyle Pitts being generational, ended up being there. Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, ends up going to the Eagles a few picks later. There's no way that I could sit here and say taking Jalen Waddle was a bad choice for the Dolphins. Yeah, and I was all in on Waddle over Smith all along. So, you know, I and for the reasons that you mentioned, because of the element that he brings and the explosiveness. And look, I mean, let's let's be real here, too. In the NFL, roster spots are at a premium. And the fact that you're bringing in somebody who is not just an enormous upgrade in the receiving game, but, you know, unfortunately for Jakeem Grant is, is likely as good as Jakeem Grant is at returning kicks. I think Waddle's even better. And so now mm-hmm. you're, you're basically upgrading two spots, one of them quite significantly yeah. in the receiving game. So, you know, and the other vision that's clearly there is, hey, what are you going to do if you have on one side Jalen Waddle, on the other side Will Fuller both going deep, got Gasicki and, and potentially Preston Williams and, and obviously Devontae Parker, guys running open underneath, you're giving two Atomavailoa options. And you're also forcing, if teams are going to play single high against you, you're forcing that safety to make a choice between two of the more explosive players in, in all the NFL. So yeah. that's the vision. And, and that's what I was talking about at the outset here, that you, you can see what their plan is. And, and hopefully everybody stays healthy enough to execute it. But, you know, as far as everybody that was left on the board at six, I, I can't tell you there's a single player that I would have taken over Jalen Waddle at that point. And if, if that's who they wanted all along yeah. and it, then they made the right move. And, and you can, so you, and this is where I get back to, I don't care what draft analysts say. You cannot evaluate the draft right now because if Jalen Waddle turns out to be Tyree kill as a player, you win. Like that's yeah. a win. And, yeah. and you can't, you can't call that right now one way or the other. Um, but what you can say is they executed their vision and now it's time to get to work and put it into practice. When we talk about vision, we move on to 18 and it's interesting because again, we all knew that it would likely be a playmaker at six. We also, most of us knew that at 18, it would be a defensive player. And, you know, you and I said the names Jalen Phillips, which you talked about in the previous pod. When we did a preview. I said Kawiti Pay. Both ended up being there at 18. That was the range both expected to go. I think Kawiti Pay went to the Colts, what, at 21, so a few picks later. When you look at the next pick, I think the only question mark going into that, 
I didn't expect them to take a running back at 18. I think you felt the same way. I just didn't think that they, with the need for an edge and how hard it is to find quality edge pass rushing guys and how much easier, so to speak, it is to find running backs, did I think they would go Harris over one of the edge guys there. Unless there was an early run on edge guys and then you were reaching and you're not going to reach at that point. You go take the player you like best. But defensive ends, pass rushers, edge guys, they fell in the draft. It was a very offense-heavy draft early on. So all of a sudden, Jalen Phillips is sitting there. Again, in our mocks, I liked Kawiti Pei. I thought he was a Brian Flores-type guy. But when you look at Phillips and what he does, freakish skills, and we got to see him up close here in Miami, and his one season at UM, he was devastating. I mean, you just saw the moves and the passion. Chris Greer said afterwards, look, if you're going to question this kid's passion, you obviously didn't watch the film. You didn't watch the games because you can have questions about his health, given what he went through with the concussions and leaving football for a year. But his passion, his work ethic, his dedication to football is clear. What the Dolphins got at 18 was a high reward guy with certain risk given his history. But to me, again, like Waddle, I can't sit here and say, I don't understand the pick. It's a bad pick. He's exactly what the Dolphins crave and needed as far as an edge guy that could get to the quarterback. In all my history of, of doing mock drafts, you know, we, we did our mock draft. This may be the first pick after like five that I actually got right. I don't you know said that Jalen ever... Phillips at 18. You, I remember our last mock, you said Jalen Phillips <laughs> so, at 18. So, so this is more saying like how bad I am at this thing, like at the, at the mock drafting than it is like shooting my own horn. So I, is there anybody in the NFL that, that, you know, obviously we know Brian Flores better than most, most coaches throughout the league, but, you know, up there with like Bill Belichick and guys like that, is there anybody else in the NFL that is more all about loving the game of football and being passionate mm-hmm. about the game of football than Brian Flores? And so, you know, they did their homework on every prospect. Yeah. You sure know that they did their homework on a prospect who's right down the road in Coral Gables. And, you know, so I'm going to go back to what I said at the outset once again, why I don't care what draft analysts say. Draft analysts, for the most part, do not have the insight, the types of, of intel that, that people in those draft rooms do. Man, they don't, they don't talk to the people that work in the equipment room. They don't mm-hmm. talk to the people about, you know, the mindset of players. What, uh, what is their passion for the game? How do they treat people? How are they viewed in the locker room? You know, so if we're sitting there and saying, and we are, that Jalen Phillips's um, traits are elite and, and the most elite of all the, the edge players in this draft, and they are, then don't you have to trust the guys in the front office that the injury history, the question about his passion, for the, that they would have dug in on that more than anybody else throughout the league. So, yeah. it, you know, all of, all of the things that, are, that were supposedly question marks about Jalen Phillips, nobody would have more insight mm-hmm. into that than the people in the Dolphins front office when they made that pick. Because clearly if he was the number one edge guy on their board, since he was the first one taken, they would have set up their board with Mm -hmm. all of that in mind. So, you know, and the the last thing I'll say on this too is, I guess I didn't realize just how highly regarded Jalen Phillips was as a prospect until we got up into the last couple of weeks. And, you know, you had seen his name rising a bit on boards. But then when I read Bob McGinn's piece in The Athletic and just universally how, how he was viewed as the number one guy, not, not that everybody had him as the number one, but when they 
took the consensus, the votes, that he was ahead of, of guys like Pay and, and obviously Ojolari, who ended up falling, mm-hmm. and, and Greg Russo. You can't argue with the pick. And, no. and you know, again, it, it, well done by them. Yeah, it wasn't the strongest edge draft. I mean, there was a few. Well, the guys we mentioned was basically it. Uh, and, again, they went a little later. Uh, Phillips easily could have been a 13, 14, 15th pick guy. I mean, it, it, if a team that really needed an edge said, hey, I want to make sure I get the best one. So, again, they got the player they coveted. I truly feel the Dolphins got at 6 and 18, two players they truly coveted that they had on their list as guys they want on their team. They got them. Now we get into the tricky part of the draft. Look, we're not going to spend 30, 40 minutes analyzing a draft and tell you the Dolphins did everything well. And part of this next pick is not the player, but the situation. I think if there's anything to criticize the Dolphins about in this draft is that they didn't come away with a running back. And there are two ways to look at it. Either the Dolphins do not value the running back position much enough to go ahead and say, hey, we're going to trade up to get a guy or we're going to take a guy early to make sure we get that running back. Or... As we said in the beginning, I think they got screwed at 36. I think at 36, Javante Williams was going to be their guy. And not only do you said it earlier, you thought as well. Let's face it, the most important thing is the Denver Broncos thought as well because they jumped up to the 35 spot to make sure they took a running back. And that running back ended up being Williams, who likely would have gone at 36 to the Dolphins. What happens there is the domino effect of that. You're always ready to make a pick. And in that, base, in that case, the Dolphins took Javon Holland, who I didn't know much about because I didn't truly look at the safety position early as much because I felt the Dolphins would get a safety in the middle rounds with the picks they had. So I didn't really look at the high-end safeties. Holland ended up being one of those guys, the really safeties that really people were high on. I like everything about him the more I read. The, the clips I see, and what I hear from Brian Flores and Chris Greer. That's the player. But, Clay, they wanted Devontae Williams. They wanted Javante Williams at 36. They wanted to get that running back situation fixed. And what happened was the dominoes then fell. Once they lost him, they got Holland, but now they weren't going to get the running back they coveted in this draft because those running backs were gone. Yeah, and I think it was Albert Breer who reported that the Dolphins were actually calling trying to trade up for Williams as well. So, it, you know, it, it was clear. And, and unfortunately for the Dolphins, you know, hey, uh, it's, a, it's a small world in the NFL, and, and word travels fast. And so clearly Denver got word of that. They had to get ahead of Miami to get him. And, and so I'll say this. I, I'm going to take kind of the optimistic, give them credit side of this. They didn't reach. You know, they didn't go – I think they recognized that the gap between Williams and whoever was next on their board at the running mm-hmm. back position made it to where it didn't make any sense to take a running back at 36. Or, no, it was only – it was Williams at 36. It was Williams at 36. Yeah. I agree. And yet, well, some, as you know this, some teams will make that mistake, and, and the Dolphins did not do that. So, um, yeah, and yeah, – okay, so they took Jared Dokes in the seventh round, and but I don't think – you know, people aren't expecting Dokes to come in and, and be the every-down running back that Javante Williams potentially could have been, or whatever isn't an, an every-down running back in the NFL these days. Yeah, with I all mean, of he that was, said, that's, that's a, that's, he's a power guy, Dokes, and we, we probably won't talk much about Dokes right now. I mean, later. Right, gonna, right, right. So, I mean, he's a power guy. He's, he's, he's got good size for being 5'11". He's, what, 230 or so. But, you know, when you look at him, he's, he's in the mold of the guys the Dolphins have now. Like, you know, Miles Gaskin is probably, I would say, a better player when you look at him, a quality player. You know, Ahmed, who last year played well in some stretches. Point being, they didn't find the running back of the future in this draft. No, and, and so removing that part of it, 
right? So let's take that out and, and let's say that, hey, their passing offense or what they, what they want their passing offense to be is going to be so dynamic that teams are going to have to play off a bit. And it's going to make the running game a little bit easier for whoever's out there. I mean, maybe that's what happens. Maybe the offense plays. So let's leave that part of it for a second. I'm like you. I didn't do a whole lot of studying on Javon Holland because I did not expect them to be taking a safety that early. And then the more you read and the more you watch on him, it's like, man, like how heat seeking missile is everything I read. Heat seeking missile and also versatile plus like he, everything that Brian Flores wants in a defensive back, there he is in, in Javon Holland. And so you know, hey, who knows what this means for, for McKay, McCain or, you know, I, I mean, maybe the roster gets shaken up a little bit moving forward as well. But, you know, you see Flores, we talk about the vision again, bringing in players that fit his vision for a defensive back. And then mm-hmm. also, the more you read about the person, the passion that, that Holland has for the game, you hear him talk and just how excited mm-hmm. he is about being a Dolphin, how excited he is about football and how knowledgeable he is. You can't knock it. You, yeah. you can't knock it just because the running back that they wanted wasn't there. So removing that from it, I love the pick. I I love Holland. And again, I'm not sitting here trying to say, Hey, everything the dolphins did was great, but every pick that they made, I can see the vision and and I can like, I can get on board with where they're going with every pick. Well, you adjust the draft is all about adjusting and not panicking. And I don't feel like the dolphins panicked. And, you know, and even their next pick, as you move past Holland, Again, if at 36, there wasn't a running back they wanted once Williams was gone. At 42, which they traded up to with the Giants, there wasn't going to be one there. You know, because if at 36, you like a running back, you take him there. You don't sweat. You know what I mean? You don't sweat the six positions, or in their case, it would have been 14 spots until they picked again. They end up trading up with the Giants. You knew they wouldn't take a running back at 42. And I think what they end up doing is they, they make a really smart pick because if you don't get the running back you want, what makes a running back that you have better on offensive line? And they take a guy who is just, you know, uh, as tough as they come. When you look at Leon Eichenberg, you know, he's a guy that at Notre Dame, I remember reading about him, you know, as he, as he got over there at Notre Dame, and he, he was a guy that was talked about as, as a potential first-round pick. He is, plays it all. I mean, he plays his heart out. He's a guy that, that is as tough as can be, as I mentioned. He's got big game experience. He is an ideal guy as a day one starter for me. And when you can, and I think for the Dolphins too, I think that's obvious. When you can get a guy like that in round two with that proven experience, that toughness, that ability to just jump right in, again, it kind of it, it kind of calms you a little bit in your concern about the running back position because now you've got a big time tackle, a guy that really could likely have a very good NFL career and you take him at 42, it was a smart move because I don't think Eichenberg makes it to 50. I don't think he gets there. I actually, you know, as a Giant fan, I thought the Giants were looking at him at 42. They end up trading out and going to 50. The Dolphins got themselves a quality player at still a position of need. Clay, as I send it to you for your take, here's the problem with Dolphin fans. They want to argue with you. Well, what are we going to – we bought, we drafted offensive linemen last year. Why do we keep drafting linemen? Because the offensive line is, quite frankly, the most important position outside of the quarterback, the positions and structure on offense. And you keep drafting, like the quarterback, until you get it right. So Eichenberg helps them hopefully get it right. I don't care that they took Hunt last year and Jackson. You keep drafting until your offensive line is where you want it to be. 
how are you going to evaluate your quarterback if he's on his back? Yeah. You know, and, and especially one like Tua, who, who has, I don't want to say an injury history, but had the questions heading into to last season, which, you know, I, presumptive number one pick in the draft for so long, and then the injury questions pop up. You have to make sure that he has the ability to get the ball out so you can actually evaluate him this year. And I've said from the beginning that 2021 has to be about two things. you got to compete and hopefully make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hey, if you're a Dolphins, dream big. Go for the Super Bowl. But you also got to evaluate your quarterback this year. And, and as much as I think a running back would have helped that, yeah, I know running back, running game, quarterback's best friend, all that stuff. Quarterback's real best friend of the guys that keep him from getting hit. And so you've added the playmakers now with Fuller before the draft and, and then obviously with Jalen Waddle in the first round. And, and so now why do you keep drafting offensive linemen? Because you want to, you want to win and you gotta want to evaluate right. your quarterback. It's got to get it hard. Right. And, yeah. And then here's the other one. Well, you, you talk about Dolphins fans. How long have we heard how terrible the Dolphins offensive line is? I mean, longer than, from when I got here, I, I mean, mm-hmm. so it's been before 2013. So, yeah, why do you keep drafting them? Because as much promise as Solomon Kinley and Robin, Robert Hunt and, and Austin Jackson have, have shown, you got to make sure. And, and you want to create the competition. You want to put guys out there that are, are, are going to be able to, to keep your quarterback upright and allow plays mm-hmm. to develop down the field. Because, by the way, you now have receivers that are going to get open down the field quarterback mm-hmm. needs time to find those guys so yeah i uh, again vision there check the the thing i kept reading about eichenberg solid like not not spectacular but mm-hmm. solid That's like i said all day one need. starter plug and day play. one starter solid play, solid plug, plug and play. play move on like this is not hard it i i'm sorry but like i i, I don't know why i'm on this kick of like getting frustrated by uh, draft analysts and and people and uh, people not liking a solid now with that said analysts universally praising what the dolphins did mm-hmm. but i understand wanting a running back also understand that you can have one of the best running backs in the world and unless his name is Barry Sanders yep. he's not going to account for having three guys in his well, face when he grabs the ball and look 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 at what the dolphins did offensively to help the running back position they didn't draft one i, I mean again they drafted one in the seventh round but draft one who's going to be a starter right from the start they don't go early and get one they likely would have taken williams it didn't work out so when you look at what they did they get waddle an, exp- uh, an explosive playmaker who will attract all kinds of attention already with will fuller so right away you're getting safety and 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 help you know to get those guys and that speed contained. Then you take an offensive lineman like Eichenberg, who hopefully will help you in the blocking and the, the, the cohesiveness of the offensive line to help whatever running backs are back there. And then you get to the next pick, which I loved this pick, and that's Hunter Long of Boston College. While Kyle Pitts, an incredible talent, would have been a great pick at six, wasn't there? While Kyle Pitts was the talk of the draft, when you look at consistency at the tight end position, not from an explosive point of view, just from a consistent, productive point of view, there was nobody better in college football than Hunter Long at consistency at that position. Explosiveness, Kyle Pitts. Potential to be a superstar, Kyle Pitts. But to get a guy like Hunter Long in the third round, it does a couple of things. It helps you and your young quarterback with Tua Tagovailoa had another weapon, another blocker, another helper on the line as well, another option to dump off passes to create, to help out, that offense with a young quarterback. 
could they have taken a running back there? Sure. There was Michael Carter, the talk of him, Trey Sermon. I get that there were guys there, but the Dolphins clearly said, look, we didn't get the running back we want. We're not going to force this. We're going to get a player we value and have on our want list. And Hunter Long is a the guy they really liked. And I know Dolphins said it, and I get it. You got Mike Kosicki. You got Durham Smythe. What the heck are you doing? How many tight ends do you need? Those guys are free agents. And this is, you know, this is a league where you have to plan ahead. And when you can get a guy like Hunter Long, that production on a rookie deal, and you can move on from one of those guys I just mentioned on top of, by the way, Hunter Long is not just a long-term guy, a guy that can help you this season. I really like the pick of Hunter Long in the third round. Yeah, and so you bring up the Kyle Pitts. I don't want to say comparison, but you were talking about him earlier. One thing I read about Pitts that, that makes a world of sense, but let's apply it here, is, hey, if you have a problem taking a tight end in the top five, then just think of Kyle Pitts as a gigantic receiver. And so let's apply that here. Like, Kyle Pitts can block, but you don't want to make him do that because it takes away mm -hmm. what makes him good. Hunter Long, on the other hand, I mean, he's, he's not going to go out there and, and, you know, be the greatest blocker in the world, but he's somebody who is a tight end. He's going to block. Like, he's a willing blocker. He's going to do the things that, that you need to do in the running game mm -hmm. and, and also to where you're, you're, not, you're not tipping your play by lining him up in line. So he gives you that versatility. Um, you know, you can see the vision again with, uh, you know, maybe somebody running some of the, the 12 personnel and, mm -hmm. um, you know, two, two tight end packages and sending guys deep. I mean, the types of things that you can do when you have versatile tight ends is it, it really adds to what your offense can look like. And so once again, how do you evaluate a quarterback? Well, hey, you protect him, you give him playmakers. And you also give him players that allow you to be multiple, that allow you to, to kind of keep the defense guessing. And, and you're right, Hunter Long's a player that does just that. Yeah. So when you look at the draft, look, they had two picks in the second round. We mentioned Dokes already, they, or the uh, final round, seventh round. Uh, they drafted an offensive lineman out of UMass and Lauren L. Coleman. Uh, those are depth, you know, future roster guys. And Dokes, who we talked about earlier, is probably a guy that's going to battle Patrick Laird. And when you look at the running back position, as it stands now, they've got Simon Ahmed. You know, we talked about Miles Gaskin being probably their lead guy. Malcolm Brown is a guy that's a veteran. Uh, Lair, Dokes. I mean, they've got a lot of guys, but not necessarily the guy. But I think with a solid offensive line and playmakers, I, I'm not that panicked thinking Miles Gaskin is your running back. Though I think we do know eventually that needs to be addressed for the Dolphins to make the next move. But given what they had overall, you leave this draft as a final thought you leave this draft feeling how about the Dolphins? The foundation keeps building. And, and I feel like by the end of 2021, barring injury, you will know whether or not Tua Tungabailoa is your franchise quarterback. And, and I say barring injury, I don't mean just like that, that Tua has a catastrophic injury, but I mean, you know, a, a ton of receivers yeah. getting hurt, a ton of linemen getting hurt. But you have built the foundation as such, and I, I'm going to stick with the offensive side of the ball now because I think that's what's really important with this team. You've built the foundation as such to where by the end of 2021, you're going to be able to make a decision, and you will have the draft capital that if Tua is not your guy, you can move on next year. And if he is, then you've got the foundation in place yeah. to where 2021 could be a very, very special season, and, and you're, you're lining yourself up for special seasons for years to come. So I, I don't think you can ask for any more if you're a Dolphins fan. I leave this draft saying the Miami Dolphins improved significantly. 
Miami Dolphins address some major needs. The Miami Dolphins, a 10-win team last year with a young quarterback who was coming back from a major injury, who was getting pulled in and out of the lineup, who didn't really have everything going his way, now is going to enter with a lot of pieces in place. Given free agency, given the draft, this Dolphins team is better than it was last year. That's all you can ask for. Are there holes? Sure. Every team has holes on a 53-man roster. There are question marks. But to me, if the one question mark you have on your team is your running back, in a league where we have seen running backs be productive, you know, when they have other things around them, like a quarterback, like weapons at receiver and tight end and an offensive line, given the improvements the Dolphins' defense hopefully continues to make and now getting an edge guy like Phillips, who I think can be an immediate impact guy, Holland, again, a guy who could be an immediate impact guy, I really like where the Dolphins stand. I really like, and as you said numerous times throughout the spot, the vision that they've shown. I think this is a much improved football team, and this is a team that already won 10 games last season. I think this is a team on the rise. So as a Dolphin fan, I think you should feel good. I know Dolphin fans that are still listening to the end are saying, well, la, 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 la. you know, still, still complaining. I get it. But be happy with this draft. Be happy that Chris Greer and Brian Flores have seemed to construct a nice roster hopefully going into a successful year. So that is our Miami Sports Pod Draft Recap. Always appreciate you listening. Always appreciate you subscribing here on the Miami Sports Pod.